0: Hello and welcome to Learning Pretzel. My name is Tadeusz and I am a mindset and performance coach. And today I couldn't be more excited than to have my wonderful friend, Joy Ross with me. Joy is a business owner, coach, consultant, trainer, and an author of a best-selling book. Joy, welcome. I am so delighted to have you here.
1: Thank you, Ted. It is absolutely my pleasure. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me. Joy, there's so much I would love to talk to you about because your work, your dedication to work is so incredibly inspiring. And the book that we will discuss today as well, uh, How to Break the Cycle of Temptation, Addiction and Guilt, The Path from the Inside Out, is just such a bomb and i think it's a most needed book on the market especially in today's world but i want to ask you a question because i have a feeling that when we speak about temptation when we speak about addiction or when we even tackle things like behavior and guilt there's a lot of hesitation to speak about that subject there's a certain resistance against those objects. Why do you think we resist speaking about them so much?
1: That's a really good question, Ted. And I I think that there are many reasons why we resist, you know, some of it has to do with uh, external influences, um, societal uh, views, and how sometimes from very early ages, we're made to feel ashamed or like, you know, certain things that we might um, struggle with are bad. And so I think that sometimes we have a tendency to internalize um, feelings when we um, feel like we're doing something that's bad. Um, Mm Sometimes I think we it's a matter of us not knowing really how to deal with things. So for instance, you know, a person could be in a situation where they find themselves being drawn or pulled to certain behaviors or habits and something on the inside, you know, gives them that little, that little voice that says, oh, this is probably not good for me, but we don't always know what that voice is. And so sometimes it's, com- it's like internal confusion. are mm-hmm. um, we just sort of, mute that voice and we we go into this mode of oh i'm gonna hide this because i don't really know what to do with it
0: absolutely i love that i love what you speak about it by the way if you're watching this guy guys pop in the chat or comments below where are you watching us from say hello we'd love to hear from you if there's anything you're particularly interested make sure you pop it in the comments we'll try to we'll try to keep interacting with the chat box But what I really love about what you're saying, Joy, is because I wonder how many of you guys, when you're watching it, you know, we have that tendency to allow this confusion because, right, the impulse and the stimuli can be an external or internal, right? Mm -hmm. It can be our inner voice, or it can be the stimuli from the outside of us, the culture, the society, the family, the circle of people that surround you, right? but we have a tendency to really let that in so deep that we silence ourselves and we silence the true voice of ourselves right Mm -hmm. and then we feel lost because it's a constant conflict Mm -hmm. and then this is where a lot of people get really stuck because they lose the sense of identity Mm -hmm. and i find that in a lot of cases when people resist the subject uh, in the work that i do or with the friendships I just find that the trouble with that identity threat that what would happen if that was me and i know you have a very powerful chapter in your book when you're talking about it. Um, you know it's not me right mm-hmm. Do you know the chapter i'm talking about Do you want to tell yes. us what?
1: yes so i want to say i love that you brought up identity because um I do talk about that in the book and in chapter four. I talk about Mm -hmm. the big lie. Right. And so
0: um,
1: we were saying sort of for these reasons of things that society tells us. Um, What we're exposed to externally that makes us feel like there's a certain image we need to project or certain things that we should do, Um, even though sometimes we feel like we want to do other things and we can get in this sort of cycle of not really being confident in who Mm -hmm. we are and questioning our own identity. And um, I talk about deception And how sometimes the deception is twofold. We can deceive ourselves when we become confused about who we are because we're so tuned in to those external influences. And so in chapter four, I talk about one of the big lies, one of the big myths that I think um, often most of us have struggled with in that. We can start to actually believe that we are a failure, right? So it's like mm-hmm. if you're struggling with something and you've tried and tried to overcome it, um, or you realize, you know, you're actually at that point where you're aware that, ooh, this thing that I'm doing is something that's not really good for me, but now I'm fully in it, and I don't know how to stop. When you're continuing to go down that road, you can very often start to feel like, what's wrong with me that I can't stop doing this? What's wrong with me that I can't resist this temptation or the urge to run to the refrigerator and stuff my feelings, you know, eat myself into oblivion because I I'm struggling with emotion. So now I'm feeling like a failure. And one of the you know, messages in the book that I really am wanting to encourage people with is no matter what your behavior, no matter what you're tempted in, no matter what you may be stuck in, the truth is you are not a failure. Um, we are not the sum of our habits. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have tried to do something, and if you didn't succeed, but that doesn't mean that you are a failure. Joy, so
0: I is- just want to, I just want to hop in for a second, right? What? because I just absolutely love that. And what I really love about your book is that in the first chapters, right, you're just laying out a foundation, right? So you're mm-hmm. introducing it. You have a couple of very, very um, respectful disclaimers. You're telling people what it is. You're telling them that this is your journey and the journey can be, you know, in, you can you can look at it from many different perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. And it will work for everybody from a different angle. You're talking about, you know, you you really are talking and shining light on some of the deeper meanings of all of those things that happen. And I really love that because I think it just set a it just set a powerful introduction for people how to interpret what happens later in the book. And they feel safe that our journeys are different, right? Mm-hmm. So you might have gone through it in a certain way and certain things were of a value, of a strength and a trigger for you. Where mm-hmm. for other people it might be something else. Which brings me to which brings me to two points that I, I just wanted to make sure that we touch on before we move further because one of the biggest misconceptions about addiction and about temptation is that we somehow have the most powerful association with drugs and alcohol Mm -hmm. and when people think addiction right they think drugs alcohol, rehab, falling asleep on the street, or, you know, drinking yourself to sleep. But the truth is that addiction, right, with all of those patterns, all of the pattern behavior, right, Mm -hmm. like, it's not only about them, like, there's so many different forms and layers of addiction. Can you just touch on that subject a little bit before we go further?
1: Yes, and I'm so glad that you raise that point, because that really is a huge premise and foundation that I lay in the book. And you're absolutely right, Ted. I think when people hear the words addiction um, or, you know, rehabilitation, we associate that with obvious things like the ones that you mentioned, you know, drugs or alcohol. But the fact of the matter, and I do want to say to just put this disclaimer out there so that people understand in the book, I am not um, purporting to be or setting myself up to be or claiming to be um, a, a drug, you know, expert or rehabilitation expert, what I am, and the perspective that I'm coming from is from a person who has struggled with many things in my life over the years, and I've come through various cycles. So whether it was being caught in cycles of bad relationships and and finding myself wondering, how did I end up here again, but it's just with a different person and a different name, but it's the same situation. Or in my case, you know, whether it was struggling with um, addiction to cigarettes or um, pulls toward Overspending, you know, shopping, um, or even being addicted to wanting to please people and caring mm-hmm. so much about what other people think—that that began to drive my behavior. And so I think that if we are human, um, the the truth is is that all of us are prone to some type of pull towards something. Now, the thing is, is it's, it becomes a question of whether we understand that, um, how tuned in we are to that. Um, and it doesn't make us bad, it just makes us human. It's part of the human mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, well, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that uh, welcome everybody who's watching. Hello, Miriam Amanda is saying that she can uh, she can relate to it so much. uh thank you so much guys for popping comments into the chat. We love it. just remember this is a dialogue as well. we want to share things with you so we love your comments and coming back to what you said, I absolutely love it because you know, I I do strongly believe that this is part of the reason why the raising awareness about issues like that, issues that impact us so heavily is so incredibly important because we do have misperception we have those false understandings false imaginations false associations mm-hmm. I, I remember we spoke about it right in the communications like how 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 many of us have those assumptions which are so incorrect how many of us you know have stereotypes we look at people through and I think that there is that side of it and there's this stigma that addiction is this deep deep pit right? That once you're addicted, once you admit to being addicted to something, oh, well, you're at the lowest of the low. And I think that people fear that, fear to admit that, because it tackles, as again, you know, our identity. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really difficult for people to come to peace with it. And look... Looking back at all of the things that I have experienced, that people who have, been, who have been part of their lives have experienced, I did notice that one of the hardest moments when it comes to addictive behaviors, and once again, just for the clarity, I will say that it's not about drugs, it's not about alcohol, Most of the addiction is probably, you know, like we should should have therapists in here, right? They would probably tell us how many addictions actually participate to drug and alcohol and how many to other behaviors that are just not associated with it. But And I suppose I understand that there's a chemical element as well with it, which we will move into, into a little bit, but that challenge of who we are, if we were to admit we are addicted, mm-hmm. Who we are. If we were to admit that there is a pattern that we don't control, mm-hmm. that there is this whole different side of us. Because I know that in the book you speak about those two sides of ourselves, right? I you know do. what I'm talking
1: about? Yes, absolutely, and I speak about it in a couple of chapters. As you're talking, um, it reminded me of—I'm looking down because I just have the table of contents here. But in chapter one, it's titled "I Would Never Do." Mm.
0: That. I love so, this. I love the titles of your chapters. By the way, they're so poignant, and the chapter itself is thought-provoking, but Mm -hmm. sorry, carry on. I'm sorry for causing you there. No,
1: thank you. So that chapter, I would never do that, speaks to that mindset, essentially, that you're describing where because of internal fears, really, like there are some things that are at the root of these issues, and I won't go too, you know, deep necessarily. Um, But really at the root is this fear of if I actually admit to myself that I'm struggling with this thing, whatever it is, what does that say about me? So I know, um, I know that in my case, for example, um, it was, you know, my upbringing was one of being brought up in a very, um, religious background. You know, my father was a pastor and my parents are great, lovely, lovely and loving people. Um, however, from a very early age, I remember being around a lot of people in church circles who were probably well-intended, um, but they had a way of talking that made you feel like if you were not perfect, If you are not living the cleanest of the clean, the holiest of the holy, you know, type lifestyles, then, oh, my gosh, you know, you're this horrible person and God's judging you and he's going to get you. And so. um, I think when people grow up in those environments and whether it's from religious influences like that or just simply being in a strict environment where you're punished for perhaps being curious, or, you know, for questioning, well, why, you know, why can't I do this or whatever? Um, I think that we can begin to put on a mask and and because we feel ashamed, um, you know, shame starts to set in when we've been so heavily influenced by these external voices that make us believe, oh, okay, well then this is bad. So then shame can Mm -hmm. set in and we can mask our identities, you know, not necessarily on a conscious level. I don't think anybody consciously says, oh, I'm going to wear a mask and, you know, live this pretend life. But essentially that's what we kind of end up doing because we want to present an image to the world that we believe is in sync with what the world is having us to believe we Mm -hmm. need to be or present. And so that's a very dangerous, slippery slope to go down because when we do that, we're essentially creating this pattern where we become less and less in tune with Mm -hmm. who we really are. Um, And that's where the identity crisis starts starts to come in
0: we all want to be a good boy and a good girl from the moment we 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 were being raised up and then we come into this conflict right and that conflict you know especially i think especially it it matters when we're at such a young age and i mean like multiple studies have uh, have proven now that you know most of who we are actually you know is formed by Mm -hmm. the age of seven right Mm -hmm. when you think about it seven I was like I didn't have any control over myself when I was seven so I was hugely influenced and I think this is where this is where the outside circles can have a significant impact and whether it's your family or whether it's the just the environment where you are I just want to piggyback on what you're saying because I can so strongly relate to that and I wonder if you guys um, that you're watching or listening to the podcast now, um, how many of you can relate to that? How many of you can see yourself in that situation? And by no means, I'm trying to push on you, um, you know, a diagnosis here because this is not this is not a psychotherapy uh, session. Uh, this is this is an informative um, discussion about this beautiful, powerful book, "How to Break the Cycle of Temptation, Addiction, and Guilt," right? But I'm just thinking to myself, you know, looking back at my childhood, for example, and at the people that I was around with, I can tell how overbearing certain circles were and being so young and being in that environment, which by no means I think that I was any different than people today. Youth of today has a very similar problems, you know, Mm -hmm. in fact, even I think it's even a little bit stronger because because there's so much danger, because there's so much activity, there's so much overbearing in the environment for them. So it sets those like very strict rules. Right. And then what happens if you don't fit within the parameters? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I was that kind of a child. I was I was so different from people around me that I I, I believe that I spoke about it on, on a couple of occasions, you know, whether it was a youth programs or other discussions that, you know, it's a it's a very difficult place to be because you let's be honest. We know subconsciously we're different. Mm-hmm. We we're aware of that but we're just willingfully willing blind to it and we're just willingfully looking away because we don't want to admit that. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting concept that absolutely fascinates me because when you think about a child, obviously, you know, the whole development, how we function until our brains are fully developed. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a very deep concept, so I don't really want to be going into it right now. But it's incredible when we're young, mm-hmm. how influenced we are and how our confidence, our resilience, our self-esteem that is being developed mm-hmm. is a, such a vulnerable and a fragile thing. And then when you're an adult, you think you should be developed and strong and resilient by then but it just proves to be still really vulnerable and one of the things that i remember this year i had the pleasure of speaking at one of the events about the resilience in times of change and um it was interesting because what was really struck a chord with people so much was the conversation when i said that I, I i hear so often when when i speak to people and professionals as super intelligent and talented people um that, you know, resilience, like, I mean, vulnerability is for losers, right? It's like, oh, you're a loser. You're a loser because you're vulnerable and you're, like, soft and all of that, which is not really a supportive argument for resilience because somehow people assume that resilience is, like, hardened steel. Once you've done it, it's transferable across the life, right? Every situation, you once you've built your resilience, it transfers. But the truth is that as soon as circumstances change, your resilience is questioned again, right? Mm -hmm. Because the circumstances change. And I'm trying to make a little bridge in here to a point that you're talking about in the book, right? About triggers, Mm -hmm. about all of the triggers and how this whole concept of, you know, really developing yourself, because I'm trying to get on the internal side of ourselves, Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So many triggers within us that we don't realize that. And I know from my own experiences and experiences of my friends, when, you know, when things were really hard and you're getting out of it and you think you have it under control, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a trigger you didn't anticipate. And suddenly, boom, you're back to square one. Yeah. Can we go into that direction? Because I think it's very important for people to, to, to realize that there are so many mm-hmm. triggers that they might not anticipate that can um, influence their behaviors and that it's not their weakness or mm-hmm. it's not their disability to it. It's just that there's a bigger picture.
1: Yes. And I love where we're going with this. And let's let me start by let's bust some myths here. Right. And first of all, let's bust the myth that um, we are what we do. Let's bust the myth that our actions equal our identity. Let's bust that because the, the truth of the matter is that we were all created Uniquely, every single human being on the planet is different. We all have a unique fingerprint. And I believe we all have a unique soul print. We all have a unique, unique wiring on the inside that is uniquely us. And it's something to be embraced. Um, this whole societal construct of fit into a box is B.S. Um, If I can just Say it like that, and so like what uh, I heard. Because- I heard a
0: very. I heard a very good saying. Now speaking of it, so spontaneously, I cannot give a credit to the author, but please, um, no, it's not me. It was somebody else. But uh, they said that you know how in the business you have a blueprint for success, right? Mm-hmm. So on the personal level, you have a U print. <laughs> I yes. love that. Yes, <laughs> there
1: is a U print. I would call it a soul print, however you, same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that is something that we, and that is connected to identity, right? Because when we mm. are connected to the idea that something bigger than us created us, and for me, you know, I'm not pushing my beliefs on anybody, but I just personally am a Christian. And so I very much believe that God created us and created us with unique gifts and talents. Once we tap into that reality and really embrace that, that in and of itself gives us a certain level of strength internally to be ourselves. And we hear a lot today about, you know, authenticity, right? We hear it, you know, in marketing circles, all oh, be authentic, uh, authentic right? Mm. But let's really be authentic, let's embrace that internally, because that creates a foundation that allows us to stand and be resilient, to your point, Ted, when we we mess up. I mean, hey, this is life. There's no blueprint for how to live a perfect life, right? So of course, we're going to make steps because we're learning, we're growing. And so, Um, I think it's important to sort of get that mindset out there and encourage people to expand. Um, Let's expand our minds about who we are and, you know, start saying no to some things. That was one of the things that I had to do. That was sort of a turning point for me. It's like I realized, wait a minute, I'm going to say no to society's views and opinions of who I am. And I'm going to say yes to my true identity, my God given identity. And so um, I just think that that's so critical and wanted to
0: absolutely right and just to, just to just to touch on the resilient part because i love i see that in the chat you know amanda lo- she's loving the soul print and uh, miriam is saying yes everybody is unique and saying no to some things absolutely drawing boundaries right Miriam? i love that and one of the things about the resilience is that i i just wrote in here that being resilient i think that there, there it, it's also a myth a misunderstanding people think that being resilient is being invincible it's just being absolutely indestructible where the truth is that resilience is accepting the fact that, that, that things go wrong but not crossing out everything at once because one thing went wrong knowing yourself and your strength that there can be a different outcome. And what you were talking about, I couldn't agree more. We talk about transparency, whether it's a marketing circle, a business, right? Everybody goes like, oh, be authentic, be transparent and all of that. But the truth is that being being transparent and being authentic is much harder than people think. That's why talk about it, but very few people live it, because sometimes it involves going into the mud and admitting you're dirty,
1: Yeah, and
0: I find that this is so powerful, because people speak about a lot of things, but really living it, it's a different story. It's like vulnerability, right? Vulnerability is not posting pictures on social media vulnerability is being being really vulnerable and feeling your imperfections and your mm-hmm. your your successes and your and your mistakes and your failures and owning them that's being vulnerable being connected to your true self at that level and what you speak about in the book and I absolutely love the layout of the book as well but when you're talking about you know the roots of what's really going on right mm-hmm. love the it really debunks some of the myths. It addresses the power of the mindset. I know that in so many, so many workshops and with so many clients, it just seems to be the same thing, right? There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, like what I call it, there's a outer cause for working together. And then once you start working with people together, you're starting to see that the outer thing is what they see, but there are root causes that are very often completely unrelated to the outer thing, which brings me back to what you're speaking about, right? Your behavior is not who you are.
1: Exactly, Ted, and let's talk about the root, right? Mm, What's the root of it, right? Um, And there are many, you know, each person's situation is different. However, what we all have in common is our humanity. So as human beings, at the root, we all find ourselves at times feeling, uh, I'm going to call it an empty space, right? There's like Mm -hmm. that little, mm, that little pain in your gut, that little I'm not satisfied feeling, right? That little, ooh, something's off, but I I can't really define it. And and so therefore I can't really put my finger on it. Um, And usually it's that feeling and not knowing what to do with that that causes us to act out and behave in ways um, that are sometimes unhealthy because what we're really doing is trying to find external things to fill that internal space and to to ease that internal pain that we're feeling. It's that we yeah, because we humans don't like to be uncomfortable. We don't yeah. like to feel pain. And so at the root of it. Um, You know, so logically and intellectually, that makes sense, you know, why people do the things that they do. Because nobody wants to feel pain. And if there's something that's dangling out in front of us, even if it's a deception, but if there's something dangling that says, hey, (laughs) I can soothe that, we're going to grab that.
0: Deception can be very convincing. And the truth is, right, that our brains are wired to keep us safe and safe and comfortable. So they will steer that. And, you know, what you tell yourself, which deceptions, which points you believe in, which you choose to believe in, well, that's how you're going to respond, right?
1: Absolutely. And the truth is, though, that there is nothing external that can fill
0: Fill that that internal
1: space. And so I kind of liken it to... Um, like if we imagine that humans were trees, right? Trees with deep roots that go underground. So mm-hmm. when we're looking at a person and focusing on their behavior, essentially what we're doing is looking at the very tip of the limb of one of that tree and saying, oh, there's a lemon there. And so then we we create this whole title and label Um, for that person based solely on that lemon. And when it comes to addiction, when we focus on the habits, and I believe this is one of the reasons why people struggle um, and find it difficult to get out and, and to become free. And I'm really on a mission to see people become free um, like true freedom, which only happens from the inside out. The thing is, is when we focus on stopping the behavior and, mm. oh, I'm just going to muster up enough courage. If only I could be strong enough. If only I could just resist enough. The reason why none of those things work long-term is because those things are focusing on the fruit. Mm. Uh, they're not focusing on the roots. And so that the soil... Yeah. So it's like we really need to be um, willing to look internally. And that can be a scary thing. You know, a lot of times we don't want to sit long enough. We don't want to be alone with our thoughts. Right. Because Mm -hmm. we don't want to deal with that stuff um, that's underneath the surface. We want to mask that stuff. We want to go out and entertain ourselves and do whatever we need to do so that we're not stuck with us.
0: Jump on the pleasure wagon, right? We want to to be comfortable. So Mm -hmm. addressing it and even looking it. And I think this is the problem with with the the resistance towards even speaking about it, because Mm -hmm. I think that people identify themselves and that scares them, right? Mm -hmm. It scares them that, oh, that sounds a little bit like myself.
1: And it does because the numbers are staggering. Like I, I wrote down, because um, I didn't want to misquote, you know, 300 million people worldwide we're talking about who struggle, right? So when people feel like that, it's like, okay, well, guess what? You're not alone. Can I just
0: add <laughs> diagnosed. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Because
0: there's many that go undercover.
1: <laughs> exactly, Ted. And and these numbers are a couple years old. So I'm sure, especially now in the times that we're living in, these numbers are much higher. You know, 5% of people worldwide have just a shopping addiction. You know, 20 million plus people. And to your point, that these are the ones who are reported. 20 million plus people, um, pornography addictions. Um, consumer debt and overspending is into the trillions, trillions yeah. of people. Yeah. And so I think. Staggering numbers. Yeah. And the the one of the key messages, though, is people need to know, again, that they're not alone. And that's another myth. It's another lie that when you're that person and you're feeling stuck, in these cycles or stuck with these habits you can sometimes feel very isolated you know sometimes we can feel um i say we because i was certainly one of those people for many years of my life we can feel yeah isolated and ooh, something's wrong with me that's a that's a lie you know that's a that's a myth because there are lots of people secretly struggling. And, um, you know, one of my messages to people is, hey, there is hope for you. And you can, you can walk through that valley and get out on the other side and be free, because it happened for me. And I don't believe that there's anything special about me other than, you know, there were a few key steps that I took Um, Mm -hmm. And I share those with people and, and um, depending on where we're going to go in the conversation, I'm happy to share um, a little bit of that today. But we can, you know, it starts with being honest with ourselves. And it starts with being aware and just knowing that, okay,
0: just on that that note, I just want to jump on for a second, because Personally, And I'm sure that there are many people who can second what I'm what I'm about to say. Joy, thank you so much for being on this mission and choosing this to be your cause. I know that it's very meaningful for you. And I know that it's not based on, hey, I have an idea. It's based on I've lived through this. I've been there. And I want to acknowledge people who are commenting, Miriam and Amanda, I see your comment. It's wonderful. Thank you so much for taking part in it and everybody else who's watching. We're really appreciating that. And going back a little sentence to the point that you were making, I think that it's incredibly important that if you listen to this and if you're getting a nudge, if you're getting a hint that you might be struggling with something, I just ask you for doing one thing. Give yourself the opportunity to investigate it. Just as Joyce said, awareness and self-awareness is incredibly important. To put it in a context, no other species on earth apart from humans has the ability to be self-aware. And that's what distinguishes our brilliance because we're able to develop that self-awareness and come with a perspective into the room and look at ourselves and see what our mm-hmm. things are wrong. But don't feel alone because addiction, as you can see, touches millions of people. And I think that the most heartbreaking thing is that people beat themselves up for being addicted and they feel bad about themselves the confidence the self-worth it all just drops and hits the concrete with a sound of a running elephant but the truth is that there's so much you just don't know but until you acknowledge that you won't know where to go Mm -hmm. and denial will only prolong that i know that it's a it's a complex it's a complex combination and thankfully thanks to my wonderful therapist i realized that i've combined two very powerful um difficulties for psychological health which was grief and addiction Mm. it was a Trauma trigger, right? Because uh, there's an addiction that can come out of trauma, right? Multiple different types of gr- the, of, of addiction. So we're not going to go into the details of it, but that was my case. And I fell into addictive behaviors because that was my way of coping with it. And those were the associations that I've made. And they slipped out of control without me noticing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said, I have been willingly blind towards it because I was too afraid of acknowledging it. And the truth is that things that are unspoken, and hear this out, things that are unspoken can hold you hostage Mm -hmm. for years. Unacknowledged things can hold you hostage for years. And to be precise, guys, I spent 10 years of my life looking away and repeating the same things over and over and over and over again. And guess what? It was just by a stroke of luck, purpose, that it happened at the time where the circumstances were so supportive that it didn't end differently because I do firmly believe that if a couple of things didn't happen at that time, I don't know whether I would be here today talking to you. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who's feeling like you're lost, like you're struggling, like you know it, because I believe that most people know it, they just choose not to acknowledge it for multiple reasons, and everybody has a different reason, right? But the truth is that when you're not doing it, you're not giving yourself an opportunity. So my call for you, piggybacking on what Joy said to us, give yourself the opportunity, give yourself a chance because you matter to this world, you're important. There's a whole beautiful life ahead of you. You can turn things around, not looking too far. The two people in front of you have gone through the big journey and it wasn't easy it wasn't pretty it wasn't comfortable but guess what nothing changes in the comfort zone right mm-hmm.
1: that's and so it, good so good Ted.
0: it requires it requires you to get out of that comfort zone but if you brave yourself to do it i just want to Uh, and, and I'm gonna give you the voice back, but I just wanted to make sure that I put that out there because I hear of so many people struggling and there are depressions and, you know, and there's so many, and there's so many even worse consequences for people basically silencing their inner voice, being afraid, ashamed to admit that they struggle with something. And whatever it is that you do, Just know that there's a way out. But going towards what we were talking about is acknowledging it. Now, the tagline of learning pretzel is turning obstacles into opportunities. I help people with mindset. I help people with obstacles and performance. And the neuroplasticity and the beauty of a neuroplasticity and our internal work is just astonishing and I know that you speak about that in the book and I love the fact that you actually have it in the title that it's a path from the inside out right can you talk a little bit more about that because I would love I would love that empowerment to be to be included in today's talk
1: absolutely and I want to acknowledge Miriam's comment um, see the possibilities and grab the opportunities. That so good and I'm gonna I'm gonna go there because seeing, it's all about what we see, which really gets to mindset. And so <laughs> when we talk about from the inside out. Um, and I'll I'll use my personal example um, to sort of illustrate this point. So my experience was very much, that I had done everything that I could think to do to stop. I had tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to stop going down roads that were dead ends and engaging in these habits and behaviors of various types. And it's not so much about the vice as it is sort of this process. And when I had come to the end of myself, and I had gotten just sick and tired of being sick and tired. How many of us have been there? You know, you're just like sick and tired and exhausted of the trying. Um, yes, yes. So I was at that point. Um, and also I, I was very much at that point in my life from the outside looking in, successful, uh, rising up the ranks of, you know, the corporate ladder, and getting ready to start my own business and so things are looking great on the outside and I was very capable in my work and so this inner struggle was there this inner dialogue of hey joy myself talking to myself you know what's wrong with you 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 can go out and solve clients problems you're crushing it at work you this is what you solve problems why can't you fix yourself and that's where for me, it started this whole other process of spiraling into guilt and shame. And I started to listen to that voice in my own head, telling me what a loser I was, what a failure I was and how, oh my God, what's wrong with you? And, mm. you're a phony and a fake, you aren't who people think you are. So when I had come to that point, <clears throat> there was a moment where I released i surrendered i was exhausted and for me that looked like standing in my garage one night and I, I talk about this in the book where i was just chain smoking cigarettes in my garage i was in my garage this is like so sounds so ridiculous when i think mm-hmm. about it i was in my garage because i hated the smell of smoke so i didn't <laughs> want to smoke in my house I was a smoker, um, but I was so disgusted, you know, with my habit by that point. So I'm standing in the garage and chain smoking and I literally, with tears streaming down my face, just started to have this conversation with God. And I cried out and I acknowledged in that moment, hey, this is bigger than me. This I cannot do this on my own. I can't be the person that I really want to be that best version of myself without some external help. And in that moment, I literally heard God say to me, stop trying to stop joy. It was almost like there was a shift that happened that struck me in my core and just blew open this, this different space in my mind. Like, I'm getting chills just talking about it it was stop trying to stop and it was almost mm-hmm. like okay now that you're done trying to be perfect <clears throat> good now let's go now let's do this thing and free you from this now that you've surrendered so for me that was step one it was just sort of acknowledging but from a place of surrender and then it then he began to talk to me about my true identity And the fact that there's power on the inside of me, and I believe this is a message for all of us, there is power on the inside that that's available to us to tap into, it's like that little piece of God that he puts in all of us. And that is the gateway to freedom where we really start to become aware and learn how to tap into that power, tap into our intuition and get more aligned internally and downwardly, like deep into our root system, back to that tree analogy. Once we start going deep to discover how to tap into that voice, what is that voice? How do I listen to it? um that voice begins to get louder and louder and that voice guides us in the right path that voice guides us toward that best version of ourselves and for me i had gotten to a point in my life where i had dulled um that voice you know my ears had become dull to that voice mm. so after that moment that dialogue those downloads however you want to look at it that happened for me that night nothing changed on the outside right away but one huge thing that changed on the inside was my perspective my whole perspective of who i was and my worth and the power you know inside of me it's like a a light switch went on, a flame ignited. And from that day forward, that became the turning point um, in my journey out. And And it really was from that day on about how I viewed myself. So even though I was still at the time, <clears throat> excuse me, smoking and doing some other things, um, I didn't see them the same. I no longer, was seeing my habits as defining who I was like, I knew, okay, this is just what I'm doing. It's not who I am. And I'm not going to be even doing these things for much longer because these things are out of sync with joy. They're out of sync with the best version of joy. And it, and it was almost as if that mindset shift, just kind of propelled me down a different road. And within a few months um, for me, and I'm sure for everybody, the process is different. But once I had that mindset change, it was soon thereafter that those fruits, those habits begin to literally fall off. Like my desires started to change. I no longer desired certain things. I literally lost my taste for a lot of those things. And I talk about mindset in the book, and even in the research on addiction, um, scientific research that's been done on people with addictions, and the difference between those who are able to become free long term, and those who are not, one of the key factors is having a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. So that has Everything to do with, as Miriam said, what we're seeing, Um, but not so much what we're seeing externally, but what we're seeing in terms of how we see ourselves, whether we see ourselves as powerful and capable of being something other than where we are today, whether we actually believe that we are in the pro- we're a work in progress on a journey on our way toward becoming the best version of ourselves. Um so mindset that is so key.
0: Mm, I love that. Absolutely love it. And I I I can't I can't second it up enough. Uh, because I know that both of us work as consultants, we train people, we work with them as coaches and mindset is, the growth mindset is probably the the key ingredients really to, to anything because whether we're talking about self-worth, whether we're talking about the confidence, whether we're talking about breaking, you know, some cycles and some patterns and as you're just mentioning, you know, really getting out of those addictions, right? And all of those, and all of those sicklets. and it can be a destructive behavior, which is a pattern as well, right? The, the mindset, the shift in the mindset is the key to make anything happen, because the truth is that if you don't acknowledge it, and if you don't believe it's possible, well, you're not going to do it. Because simply your behaviors, you know, are not who you are. Your behaviors reflect on your convictions, on your current convictions, which can be incorrect. Mm -hmm. So what happens along the way, right, can sometimes be wrong. And I always say that be open-minded and be teachable because you're not always right, no matter how convicted you are about your points. But... I know that you also have you also have a little gift for people who are here. While we're speaking about the mindset, I want to make sure that we include that as we're coming to, towards the end. Can you just tell us a little bit more about the little gift you have for people?
1: Absolutely. And so on the footer uh, of every page <clears throat> of the book, I mention uh, the importance of growth mindset. And I actually have a growth mindset guide. That is totally free um, for people. It's at um, it's available on my products page of the website. I see you've put it in the notes. It's joyross.com forward slash products, and it's joy with an i, j o i r o s s, dot com forward slash products. And so, also on that page, um, there are a few other mindset related freebies, um, because I really, so if people go on that page, you can not only get the growth mindset guide. I think we've got like three things actually on there that all are to encourage people to just start the path of trying to shift your mindset. And it's not a huge effort. It's not like you have to go to, you know, college for a year and do all this study in order to change. It's actually little micro shifts. That we can make every day that can have huge impacts, um, where we literally begin to be transformed from the inside out. And there's a proverb, it's one of my favorite, that says, As a man thinks within, so is he. And that's really at the root of all of this, because, and I know that there are programs out there, and I'm not throwing shade or dissing or speaking against um, anything. I'm speaking for, I am for people's freedom. I'm for people knowing that they are loved, that they are valuable, that they have worth. And I'm for people really understanding that you're not an addict. You're not, you might be engaging in behaviors. You might be stuck in a temporary (laughs) cycle Um, but the growth mindset shifts also will kind of start people down the path of just taking little baby steps. Because the truth is, if you think you are, whatever it is, fill in the blank, then you are because the external part of your life will begin to align to match whatever Mm -hmm. your internal perspective is. And that's the truth. Um, And that's just not from the Bible, although that is in the Bible. That's in a lot of that's in scientific research. It's in other, um, you know, books that um, are born out of other spiritual practices. It's it's a law in the universe. I mean, it really is. Everything on the outside is a reflection of what is happening internally. And we can change that even though our our subconscious minds are sort of pre-wired <clears throat> by the time we're seven years old, weak, it doesn't mean that we're stuck. It doesn't mean that at all. It just... Means- well,
0: absolutely. The, the power of neuroplasticity, right, just shows just shows really how much is possible. And look, for those of you who don't know, neuroplasticity is the ability of changing our behaviors that are, you know, patterned into us through repetition throughout our life. And Anyone, even at 99 and over 100 could change that. Of course, the older you get, the the more challenging it gets. Joy, I'm very conscious of the time. I just want to make sure that we say that. So guys, if any of that resonated with you, if you think that there's someone you know that could benefit either from watching this and quite possibly in getting in touch with Joy, if there's anything or any way how we could be of your help and of your service. The two of us are on the mission to help others. I've popped into the comments how you can get in touch with Joy. You know how to get in touch with me if you're watching this channel. Um, And I just want to make sure that you understand the main principle that you are not powerless. There's a lot you can do and It's possible, it's possible. And I just ask you to give yourself a chance and, believe in yourself joy thank you so much for coming uh, for coming onto the chat i i i am very strongly convinced that we're gonna have to do it again because there's still so much more um i'd like la- i'd like to include uh, but our time is coming towards the end so i just want to say thank you to everybody who tuned in and uh, and listened to us and i look forward to speak to you again
1: thank you so much ted it's been my pleasure thank you everybody for tuning in
0: thank you